0: Okay. I have to say it. This is nice. It's way more what I was expecting from being part of a secret society.
1: Oh, hell yeah. This is pretty sweet. No more trudging through the rain. Can we agree on that, please?
0: Fuck yeah.
1: This is sweet. We need to take things easy.
2: A cup of tea. Thank you, my good man. So, uh, we started here, circled around. Uh, Good. We should be moving further from the High Council's malign influence. They can't stand the flyover
3: states. All we're doing is delaying the inevitable, though. So far, our whole plan has been to run away from our problems. Might as well run away in style, right? That's how we do what we do. (laughs) Sweet. Free Wi-Fi. I wonder if the internet is still... uh, an infinite hate machine... Uh, tea, I added a little lemon just for you. That's actually really nice. Thank you. <sighs> what the hell is this? Where's the whiskey?
2: It looks as if we keep heading west, we'll be back in civilization
3: soon.
2: All right, I'm heading to the little cultist room. I'll be back in a moment.
3: Checking social media and. Yep, hello, darkness, my old friend.
4: Ah, a soothing cup of chamomile will help. Here you go.
3: Oh, that's, that's like old people's Xanax, right? Fuck yeah, I'll give it a try. What's the
0: deal with all the tea? Why don't I get tea?
4: Uh, I didn't want to offer you any until you asked, because as a feminist, I don't subscribe to a reductive ladies first chauvinism.
0: That sort of makes sense.
4: Would you like some tea?
0: I would but only because I actually like tea, and not because you're obviously trying to get under my skin.
4: Would you perhaps prefer a diet Coke?
0: Hand over the fucking tea.
4: Uh, Hope? Oh, you're not manipulating me. Sure, sure. It's nice how you don't have to go along with the others. I mean, strictly speaking, this is cult tea for us committed cultists and not hangers-on. Gimme! Anyone notice
5: this tea is kinda funny? Feeling
3: woozy. There's a distinct undertone of Fentonarcolan. I thought it was quite piquant. I mean, it's not like... mm, my favorite instant knockout drug. Before what we both know is coming, I just wanted to say one thing. Mm Hmm? You're
0: old. I really wish I could say this was the first time I've been cunningly betrayed recently. Why does this cult suck so much? I want to be clear. I am
1: already so drunk, I might have passed out at any moment. Anyway.
2: Noted. Ah, (sighs) refreshing. Refreshing. And it seems we're having a whole weird group naptime situation. We are not that kind of a cult. Brother Andy, what is the meaning of this? I
4: believe my meaning is clear.
2: Very well. I assume there is some kind of diabolical scheme behind all of this? Oh, most diabolical. One question. Why do you appear to be holding an 11-pound lump hammer with a finely worked beechwood handle in decorative inlay?
4: Because I'm here to judge movies and knockout cultists with Fento Narcolan laced tea. And I'm all out of tea.
6: Ugh. Ugh.
4: Clonk, clonk, bitch.
3: Uh, mm. Oh, my head. Hey, is, is anyone there?
6: Stop yelling!
3: Oh, geez. Oh, it's it's classic Fenton Narcolan. It's not like the new shit. Listen, the headache will pass in about, in about 10 minutes. Then you just have to deal with the night screaming, and if you're really unlucky, the bulges. You're kidding. Yeah, yeah, relax. It's more night murmuring.
1: Fuck, where are we? Oh, I can't see shit. Wait, wait, can you move? I can't
2: move.
3: Oh, yeah, we're totally tied up. That that's not a side effect of uh, fentanyl, by the way. That's just a thing, apparently. Anyone else awake yet?
6: Uh, what happened?
0: Where are we? Comfy chairs all in a line, dark room. Is this some kind of theater?
2: Theater? No. It's a cinema.
0: That's our thing, though, right? Isn't this, like, our deal?
2: I have a terrible idea of what's coming. Well, Spill it. What's the situation? Did our parents leave for a week's vacation? Who is missing from the group? Brother Methuselah? The...
6: The...
2: The... Who is missing who actually
3: matters? Uh, one, two, three?
2: Where's Brother Andy? And who has picked a Conclave movie recently?
5: Well, there was Alyssa, Daniel... Wait, no. You better not be saying what I think you are, man. Cause that's it, man. Kill me now, put an ice pick in my
3: fucking brain and get it over with.
2: That's right. It's his turn.
3: (laughs) Okay, you need to stop kidding about. Let's get real here. After last time, we said never again. We said it! This this wasn't supposed to happen!
1: Um, you wanna all uh, clue me in a little? What are you so worked up about?
3: Oh, you weren't there last time. Okay, so we all take turns picking a movie, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Brother Andy, he's uh, he's got unique taste.
1: So? I mean, how bad could it be? We've watched some pretty weird shit.
3: <laughs> he's not human!
6: Those are not movies!
2: Silence! We have to hold on to sanity. Let's not panic. After all, we don't know the full story. It might not be his turn yet.
4: Oh, but it is, my friends. It is.
2: And now I am panicking. This is panic. I am in a panicked situation right now. Uh, And, yes, I believe I'm losing my mind. (laughs) God no.
0: What's all this about, huh? You upset? We don't like your dumb picks.
4: This is about justice. Respect. For too long, I've endured the snide comments, the veiled mockery, the bedraped teasing. For too long, I have been silent. Veiled?
0: Real wilting wallflower, yeah. Is it too late to go for the Diet Coke?
4: We're holding a conclave. Right here, right now.
1: Okay, okay dude. Let's say we're playing along. What's the movie?
4: Oh, I think you'll approve this time. This is a modern film about modern issues. Oh, sweet. As long as you think the 80s are still modern.
3: Oh, less well, sweet.
4: It's a film about madness, obsession, and paranoia. Oh, really? Concerning social breakdown in 1980s Britain.
3: Uh,
2: there it goes. My mind rolling around on the floor. Lost.
4: It has rampant innuendo and sexual lusting.
1: Ooh, hey, hey.
4: That involves a lot of hideous skin complaints.
3: Ooh, hey, hey. Ugh,
0: I'm gonna need a lot of booze.
4: It technically passes the Bechdel test.
0: Okay. Go on, say it. I know you're going to say something. But all the
4: women are wealthy and privileged.
0: I am so sick of being right all the time. Enough games! Just tell us what we're watching
4: just give me a second, let me start this tape here. Right, now, now that we're all sitting comfortably, in the depths of a conveniently abandoned Midwestern cinema where nobody can hear you screaming, safely out of the reach of a global conspiracy that seriously has no sense of humor, a secret society will assemble. To continue their work condemning the perverse and heretical, or so help me, I'm going to clockwork all your oranges. To scrutinize those films which are rumored to drive viewers to madness and dissolution, draw closer, dear listener, let your trembling ears sup upon the eldritch knowledge of the Cinemania Society.
2: We the fellows so of the so lens of society, hereby by the nature of the nature,
3: and the been of to movie, and the nature the which worth may contain outcome. hazards unsuitable. Enough!
2: Uh,
4: conclave, begin.
3: Okay, if we're going to have a conclave,
2: we're doing it right. Say it properly.
4: Hang on, hang on, let me turn the tape over. Right, yes, yes, I remember. Uh, And welcome to our listeners, to whom I will now issue this warning. We disciples of the Cinemania Society have studied the mysteries of the motion picture and meditated upon the silver screen for many years. Therefore, we have become inured to the films we scrutinize, which may contain hazards unsuitable to young and sensitive ears. As such, we advise anyone listening to do so with discretion. Guard your ears carefully, lest you develop a severe and irreversible case of cinemania. Present at our conclave tonight are... Sinquisitor Ethan, Keeper of the Lenses.
2: I... rather not be, thank you. Silence! Scrutinize
4: Zachariah, Guardian of the Door. <laughs> Quiet you! Profligator Daniel, Possessor of the Word.
3: I'm still waiting on that whiskey you promised me earlier with the tea. Now, Auntie Hope, Keeper of the Books.
1: I'm not drunk
5: enough for this.
4: You will be. Professor Andrea, Scholar of San Francisco.
0: Do I really have a choice here?
4: No. Arbiter Alessa, Voice from the Outer World.
3: Who thinks the 80s are still relevant?
4: Look, I've got a big stick. And I, of course, Verifier Andy, Master Illuminator. Master
5: kidnapper, dude.
4: Ahem. I shall be serving as Pontifex of Presentment for tonight's subject of scrutiny, How to Get Ahead in Advertising.
6: <gasps> oh, God. It
4: begins. A British film from 1989, written and directed by Bruce Robinson, who had previously made with Nail and I, with this film star, Richard E. Grant.
2: If I spike you, you'll know you've been spoken to. We're not doing with nail quotes today. Oh, Get to the back of the van!
4: You then, Zach! Uh, Zach- (laughs) Zachariah will act as master castigator for this conclave. Brother Zachariah presents the charges. But just give me a second, I just need to start the tape again. Hang on.
6: (laughs) (sighs) Talking skin diseases.
5: Animated animals in a strictly live action zone. Bizarre party behavior that does not prevent guests returning for future bizarre parties. Washing food in an unsanitized toilet. Either being a naked lunch style comedy body horror or else a story of one guy just being a bit nutty. Criminal wearing of a mustache criminal wearing of 80s party dresses. Letting everyone know just
6: how badly advertising is fucking them up. Cruelty to boils.
5: Serious trigger warnings, bad language, sexual themes, gaslighting, partial nudity.
4: Thank you, Brother Zachariah. Now, summarize,
2: summarize. <clears throat> oh, you do it.
1: Oh, do I have
2: to? Yes. Okay, fine,
1: fine, fine. Uh, meet Dennis Dimbleby Bagley. He's having a big day. He has big 1980s suspenders, big ideas, and a great big... advertising budget.
4: Uh, excuse me. They're not suspenders in Britain. We say braces. Suspenders are lingerie.
2: The only idiot who calls them braces here is Roger fucking Stone, and nobody wants to be like that asshole. I
1: didn't see any orthodontia going on there. His teeth look okay for a Brit
3: weird uh yeah but um i mean what if they're bracers i mean that's a whole other thing i mean you know you've got the, they're on the arm or it might be for archery uh, sorry let's uh, hey, just on. get this over with yeah yeah just oh. sorry keep going
1: dennis is ranting to a room full of advertising amateurs about the best way to sell groceries for that is their current job the problem is the products they're selling are pretty crap and the chain store that needs the adverts likes it that way The job of the advertising man is not to give a toss about healthy food or value for money, but only to care about what the customers happen to be concerned about at that moment. Right now, Dennis explains, Housewives of Britain have 2.7 kids, use 16 feet of toilet roll per week, and worry about their weight. Housewives of Britain? What are you eating? Uh,
3: Yeah, he also, by the way, manages to uh, give Sean Bean his first, at least metaphorical, on-screen death by tearing him a new one. (laughs) Yes, that is in fact a very young Sean Bean. Wow. Amazing. He
1: goes into a detailed rant about the strategy to get the customer buying. Everything they sell either has to have less of something bad or have extra of something good. Hammer them about how much they deserve a little treat, then hit them with guilt the moment they succumb to a delicious little snack. It's chilling. But this is actually a very accurate description of modern advertising practices. Know your customers' concerns. Figure out what makes them tick, and convince them they need what you're selling until they're breaking down your door to get it. But Dennis also has a big problem. He's been given a big job for a big client, and he's got a big old pile of nothing to show them. Dennis has to come up with an advertising campaign for a new kind of pimple cream, and he's suffering from creative block. Richard E. Grant prowls around his fancy London office like someone- <clears throat> Hey, hey Andy!
3: What, no no joke about a clogged creative pore or something? No?
4: No, frankly, this is a serious film about serious issues. Take it seriously. Oh,
3: oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Can I get more narco then? No? <laughs> Where's the shot? <laughs> okay, back to you, Hope.
1: Richard E. Grant prowls around his fancy London office looking like someone taught a manic scarecrow how to smoke, desperately trying to come up with a tagline, but there's just no way to make pimple cream sexy and
3: appealing. I don't know, they managed it in the U.S. Uh, sexy, sexy face washing. I mean... Everything can be sexy in the U.S. Have you seen our Halloween costumes? Ha huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sexy mustard. Sexy union organizer. <laughs>
2: That's
1: always sexy. Just for a moment, he hears his boss's voice in his head saying, there's a lot of boils out there, Bagley, and it seems to cause a flash of pain in his head. Something's not quite right with this guy. Pimple cream is a lot of stress to put on a chap. The best he's got is, if it doesn't work on blackheads, you can spread the fucker on toast. <laughs> <laughs>
3: what the fuck? It tastes about as good as marmite. It tastes as good as it sounds.
0: You leave
2: marmite
3: alone.
0: <laughs> That's because it was organic or something like that. Oh,
2: Marmite's the only way you can get your B vitamins other than beer in Britain. Jeez. <laughs> it's vitamin B. Shots it's fire.
5: Shit.
1: Poor Dennis. The best he can come up with is pretending to be a sensual, voluptuous biochemist. Who's both an expert on pimple chemistry and also a woman with needs? He prances around playing out an imagined advertisement, but it's not working. Even a really, really good biochemist would have a hard time selling this stuff.
4: Is it me, or is Richard E. Grant kind of sexy like this?
3: That's just you. I mean, he is wiggly. Like he's practically like one of those floppy things that you see outside of Disney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wacky wavy arm flailing tube man. Yeah, tube man, tube man, tube man.
1: He's like a predecessor to Tom Hiddleston. You know, like a like a young Loki. Oh
3: no! Whoa! No, he's, That's uh, an uh, odd comparison.
5: He does <laughs> not
1: look, Don't you think he looks a lot like Tom Hiddleston?
5: Haven't I you seen so the Loki like series? Him. He plays older Loki in it. Seriously, yeah, when he's he dressed is. up
2: in the original yeah, like, the he's Loki dressed... outfit from the oh, comics.
5: Wow. Yeah. Yes, he... I remember that. Yes. And he goes down,
2: going glorious purpose. <laughs> At least it's not his special purpose like in the jerk. Yeah, yeah. Moving right along.
1: The boss of the agency wants an advertising campaign, and time is running out. Dennis has been assuring everyone that he has a real crackerjack idea, which he would be more than happy to explain in just a few more days. Time for a break, Dennis. Perhaps a mental break. He meets with his lovely wife Julia for lunch at an upscale restaurant, and if there's one thing you know, it's that Richard E. Grant, when losing his mind, is definitely going to make a scene in any eatery you can throw at him.
4: Shades of Withnail here a bit.
1: Despite Julia's attempts to get him to just slow down and take a break, Dennis is having none of it. Any other body part would have been fine. He could sell any product for any malady, real or imaginary, but boils, he's got nothing. Tellingly, he points out that it makes no difference to him if the product works or not. After all, no company actually wants to get rid of oils. They're excellent money spinners. Selling a cure is a dead end, but selling the hope of a cure, now that's good business.
4: Chilling but true. Mm -hmm. Oh, very much.
1: Julie reminds him that he needs to get his head together in time for their dinner party tonight. Oh, how middle class. She's definitely noticed the mountain paranoia. She tries to calm him down by reminding him of similar creative problems he had before with other gross medical products, like his terrible trouble with piles. That's hemorrhoids, right, Andy? Yep. Other diners start to pay aghast attention as he goes into detail, screaming that he did not have any trouble with piles. Piles were a birthday present compared to boils.
3: you got somebody <laughs> a birthday present of piles? Here you go. Here's your piles, little Timmy.
5: Mm. Ah. Now I know what I'm going to get Andy.
4: Gifts from Grandfather <laughs> Nurgle. It's a regular visit from the fuck you fairy. You
1: could also get him dandruff or breath. Those were just as easy. The hinges are starting to come off. Make no mistake. After lunch fails to calm him down, Dennis has no choice. He has a big meeting with his boss. On the way, he can't help but stare terrifyingly at a boil on the face of a girl in the lift. And he's no longer even trying to look normal about it. Not that his boss notices anything amiss. The boss, Mr. Bristol, isn't really paying attention. He has a marvelously 1980s phone headset aerial thing with little antennas and whatnot. He's having two conversations at once. Good work ranting to the junior advertising people earlier, he tells them. They complained about it, of course, but they needed a stiff talking to. However, the Pimple Cream account needs dealing with ASAP. Dennis promises absolutely that he has a big plan and a big idea to present, and he'll be ready in just another weekend. As long as that's true, which it isn't, Bagley isn't in trouble, which he is.
2: I know, you know, I kind of thought this guy who plays his boss, Mr. Bristol, initially I thought he was the same guy who plays Holly and Red Dwarf, but then I realized it wasn't.
4: No, no, no. no it's uh, cool. Holly and Red Dwarf as Norman Lovett. This is another famous comedy actor who's been in tons of things over here. He's a very well-known face.
0: I sometimes wonder if that boil he sees on the girl in the elevator is actually his imagination. Like it's manifesting already in his mind
1: it's mm-hmm. real and what's in his head is well, getting not blurred it's crazy it's all actually happening mm. that's that's what they all say oh and one more thing just a little favor really the boss asked Dennis yeah, to come one up with more a, thing. the boss asked Dennis to come up with a pitch for an instant dinner while he's at it dennis asks what kind of instant dinner boil in the bag and just for a moment Richard E. Grant demonstrates what it looks like when someone simultaneously manifests their own soul and accidentally swallows it. His expression is a thing of beauty, and even the half-present Mr. Bristol wonders if everything's okay. It's not. Dennis flees. Dennis has boils on the brain. He can't stop thinking about it, going over and over and over the problem in his mind. On the train ride home, he randomly spouts out, what about large, blind, fat girls with boils? The people sharing his carriage aren't impressed. Dennis is riding home in a big train with a big cross-section of society sitting near him. There's an Irish priest standing in for the moral majority, an intellectual type with large glasses and a bow tie who represents the fossilized academic elite, and a fellow businessman in a pinstripe suit. Oh,
2: yeah. I don't know why I didn't pick up the allegory on
1: this. It's pretty... Anyway. Yeah. You'd think they'd want someone young, isn't that who they're selling acne cream to? Yeah. The young and the well, no, young
4: maybe. people don't go on trains; yeah. so they stay at home, laying about lazily and picking up the dole. Uh, it's the '80s. Uh, uh,
1: shut
6: up. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: the the point of the Irish priest standing in for the moral majority, you know, the the intellectual the intellectual class, and then you know, uh, academically, like I just maybe didn't. That's who
1: he's used to selling to, but that's not who's buying pimple cream.
2: No, as in, like, because this whole thing is is taking place as a series of No, I understand your point. I was just
1: adding. Oh. But also, so, there's been a big story in the newspaper about a big drug bust, and they casually discuss it. The newspaper insinuates that a drug orgy was broken up, where there was heroin by the bushel, and at least one young girl wearing peanut butter for a bra. So I'm going to give you a lot of support.
2: Well, I was going to say, becomes... like, wouldn't they all be, like, laying around on the nod? Why would they think that people would be engaging in an orgy if they're all, you know, if, if, if they're all anesthetized into a stupor? It's the 80s.
5: People still didn't really understand drugs.
1: They're like, oh, <laughs> drugs bad. Drugs make you crazy. They didn't know the difference between each. These are peanut butter bra
4: people. You can't no, tell no, what listen. they are. No, no, no. No, no. Listen
3: drug-fueled orgy and drug-induced stupor. You can do both at the same time if you're dedicated. Well,
2: not everybody See, was speedballing then, but Zach, this is the era that produced Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Don't tell me they didn't know how drugs worked. No, they knew how to take the, them.
1: The casual train-riding newspaper reader was not a connoisseur like, like our friend Daniel, who knew the you know, ins and outs of every single kind of drug
5: exactly so they, just, just the say general no. populace
1: hears drug and they just assume whatever
5: these people grew up with like reefer madness
3: <laughs> oh, i love that film
5: <laughs> it's a good film
1: i grew up with the dare program yes so some people knew the internets
3: when this is the
2: era when people were thinking about nancy reagan and uh, margaret thatcher making out while talking about just say no yeah there's an image you'll never be able to get rid of now. You're welcome.
3: Uh, oh, there's my next wet dream. Daniel, please. <laughs> oh, my God.
5: I think that was one of the pop-ups in the Necronomicon. <laughs> Hold on a second. Is anybody
1: wearing a peanut butter bra in that? No. Uh,
5: yeah, actually. I think it'd
1: be more of a bra <laughs> It's horrible, not horrible giving you much... <laughs> Well, oh, sorry. It's, not, it's still edible.
5: Well, I think that's kind of the point.
1: Yeah, so it's not this going to waste. I don't
5: know, sweet and savory. You gotta
1: have some pretty perky tits, though, if you're gonna do that. Otherwise, it's just, you get peanut butter everywhere.
5: That's kind of the point.
1: <laughs> do you want it everywhere, though? I think you only want it strategically placed.
5: Love... Let's talk
1: about boils <laughs> please. again, please. Let's, D- Dennis sets them all straight. Dennis becomes increasingly irate. All that was actually discovered was a little bit of cannabis, you know, weed. The papers are using classic advertising tricks to imply that the story is far bigger than it actually is. He explains to them how it's done, how their perceptions are being manipulated into believing whatever the newspapers want them to. And once again, he's getting manic. Dennis is starting to see the big lie, the lie that surrounds everyone all the time. And he's realizing that he's a big part of the big lie. He announces that he's an expert on these things. He's an expert drug pusher. He's an expert on tits and peanut butter. He's a pusher, all right, and pushers like to protect their pitch. Make everyone fear cannabis and you can sell them more cigarettes.
3: Uh, Brother Ethan, so this is actually kind of where I think that allegory clicked for me, right, is once they launch into the argument about it, you have to have one person to represent each of the standard, like, sects of society to yeah. say, like, oh, I am the moral majority. Here is how they respond to such ridiculousness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. goes all the way back to Plato. Plato did most of his shit in a cave, so, you know. that's hmm. Plato's right. shit in a cave? Oh,
6: wait, no, was that
3: Aristotle? <laughs> oh, fuck.
6: Uh, <laughs> okay, No, it Room was right Plato, on.
2: because I like the Plato Fun Factory.
3: <laughs> 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 okay, keep that there.
1: Obviously, this alarms his fellow passengers, and they decide to get the fuck off this train at the next stop. But Dennis assures them that getting off at the next stop won't help them. In fact, he's the only one who has any answers because he can see it all clearly now. Which is what the sanest of the sane always see say, right? I
2: clearly now. My brain no is gone.
1: Singing. No singing.
4: I'm not crazy.
5: No singing.
2: It's gonna be a long, long, oh, yeah. long.
5: I would throw something at him if I wasn't chained to this stupid chair. Anyone else's manacles itch? Mine itch.
1: For reasons perhaps best not explained, Dennis announces grandly that he's had an octopus squatting on his brain for the last fortnight. But now he sees the truth. He's the only one who can help. The person pushing the answer never has any interest in solving the problem. That's the point. He accuses the priest of being in the same game selling hope to people on their deathbed. If there were no death, the clergy would just get into real estate. The nice, respectable members of the public decide that now is the appropriate time to run the fuck away from an obvious madman. But Dennis feels that he's making more sense than ever before. He's had a big revelation.
3: Yeah, that would work so well when you're not chained up to a chair. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Shut up, the chains are part of it. Yeah. Ah, it's an immersive art experience. <laughs> we're we're art <laughs> with
0: a especially out. captive audience. We've already had too much weird art on this crazy train.
4: Don't make me fetch the car battery and crocodile clips. I hope He's this
5: on
0: crazy, the a crazy train.
6: No singing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: people just sitting around doing nothing. Is this reminding you of anything? Andy? Andy! Uh, is he even listening? Where is he anyway?
5: My guess is the projectionist booth. Any idea how we can get out
0: of this? We complete the conflict and he lets us go, right? I mean, how long can he keep us here?
5: Uh, how long is this goddamn
3: film? I can't take any more boil talk. We need to figure out a plan. If we don't nip this in the bud, he won't stop here. We'll be watching experimental ten-hour art house flicks until he runs out of super-aesthetic bullshit to show us. And you know what they say about super-aesthetic bullshit cinema. There's always more of it. Right. So,
1: what do you think he's doing up there anyway? I mean, if we figure out his plans, we can figure out how to fuck his shit all
3: up might be onto something there. Uh hold on. I'm going to use my space power to get inside his head.
2: You have space power?
3: Yeah, like whenever I'm spaced out. <laughs> it's called empathy and we invented it in 2007 around the same time as Tumblr. Okay. Ah, hold on. I need to concentrate. I'm putting myself in his shoes. Metaphorically speaking, I mean, I've seen those feet. I don't know about this. It seems kinda new age voodoo nonsense. In
5: my day, we expressed ourselves by taking bong hits and giving no shits.
0: Quiet, she's muttering something. It's working.
3: I'm Brother Andy. I'm super British. Everything I do is justified. My accent is super cool. Chicks definitely dig it. Uh, colonialism, uh, the colonies. Pink,
2: what would you be doing right now in this situation?
3: I'm gonna make them all watch all the movies that I like. Then they'll be sorry. Oh. So they'll be sorry. Oh. I demand Everyone agrees with me. I'm going to nip out for a cup of tea. Make me a brew and don't forget the bickies, you raisin-faced wanker. Wait, do you think Brother Methuselah is up there with him?
1: It makes sense. Never trusted
3: that guy. He he just does what any of us tells him to do.
0: Right, and I don't trust any of you. Fair. If we could just contact Brother Methuselah, maybe he could help us. How can we get a message out? Ha!
3: Now it's my turn. Clark Nova, I summon you in accordance with our dark bargain. Are you crazy? That thing
5: isn't a Pokemon like Pika. Ah! What the hell? Something crawled up my leg!
3: Alrighty,
5: Danny Boys.
2: Wait, you could just summon that thing out of thin air? <laughs>
5: That nonsense. I was lurking under the sheets the whole time. I didn't even stay popcorn and looking up sticky old soda bottles with my horribly
6: long tongue. No shut, <laughs> shut up, shut up.
3: I need you to take a memo. That's my second favorite thing to do, let's hear. <laughs> okay. Two Brother with love. From cinnamon Help!
4: Help! 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 Help, Hey, hey, hey! I want to hear more summarizing, less screaming. And then more screaming. <laughs> Ooh, nice tea. Did you get the bourbon creams?
6: They only had the crumbly custard ones. You failed me for the last time!
0: <sighs> oh boy, we would better get back to the movie, seeing as we don't have anything better to be doing. Well, I'll start the next summary. Back at home, Dennis no longer has any interest in behaving normally, and certainly not in behaving normally at a dinner party. His guests just want to have a normal dinner party conversation like lovely middle-class people do, talking about the pill and how estrogen in the water is affecting fish. One of their friends, a strident 1980s feminist called Penny, announces that men just don't understand, and soon insults are flying. Uh, the him. whole,
2: uh, going way, like, like, the, didn't realize that the whole thing about Info War is the water's making the frogs gay! I was, was thinking the, the same thing.
3: Oh, God, it keeps going. Like, I mean, you can go back to the whole communist thing about fluoride and the water. And, well, I mean, yeah, about fluoride, but specifically about, you know, the estrogen changing oh, the fish oh, oh, being oh, like, the is making that. the frogs gay! Yeah, no, I got you. That's specifically incarnation of of the conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yes. Oh, hey, it's me, Frog. Anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, hi there. Oh, Dennis hi. can no longer stand the middle-class hypocrisy. He doesn't object to Petty personally, but he can't stand the way she calls herself a vegan but eats fish. Fish is allowed, she demands. He can't stand the way everyone is happy talking about mung beans and the pill, but can't stand to talk about anything real. As his insulted guests leave, he starts to snap again. He announces that he's seen the light, brains are being laundered by the media and he's going to do something about it.
6: Sorry, oh, dear. Oh,
3: I, there's this mention about the middle class. I I I'm I'm this like this came across as very high class. What where did where did middle class come from? Was oh no, these middle are class middle class, the class people.
1: people weren't, so the economy was a little
2: better. Oh. Not just middle class in the 80s but middle class in Britain like where where class boundaries are a particular way. So you know, middle we, class we, is a, we in the uh, United uh, States, because we don't believe we are a classist country, even though we are the most class-focused country in the world. <laughs> um, well, we, uh, we, we have, the working class has been bamboozled into thinking that they're middle class.
3: Mm-hmm. And what was these, that,
4: Andy? These people are very wealthy, but they're middle class because they have employment. If they were upper class, then they wouldn't need
2: to.
3: Employment guarantees you middle, oh. No, no, oh. meaning they have to work to, to maintain their, their status they're oh. not so
1: rich so they can just sit at home
3: this is no we we're, we're having we're having a language issue here so uh, what what we're actually talking about here uh uh alessa is the bourgeoisie ah yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah. All, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. All, right. all right all
4: right awesome yeah you gay communist frog
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> right 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 they used to call it middle class now what we call middle class is like scraping by then you have Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, we still haven't acknowledged that. The middle class has been cored out, and the people who think of themselves as middle class really are still working class. It's always been that way. It's just that the the working class in this country, in the United States, has been thoroughly propagandized into thinking they're
3: middle class when, in fact, they are not. Yes, but any opportunity to say bourgeoisie. Yes. Yeah.
2: But you know what's funny is that this entire sequence reminds me of a joke, which goes like this. Do you know how to tell if somebody's vegan? Oh. Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn, true. I know a lot of lies 100 true. man. Um, by next morning, the first stage of Dennis's big plan is in full swing. His wife comes downstairs to find Dennis tearing apart every product in their lovely home, nude except for a cooking apron, and wearing a plastic bag on his head. He explains he has quite reasonably decided to destroy everything that is worthless, all the advertised crap they've surrounded themselves with. He heads up to the bathroom, where he's intent on drowning the Hoover and forcing chicken down the toilet. It all makes perfect sense now, he happily explains.
3: I love this sequence so oh much. My this is Great. what my brain looks like.
0: <laughs> uh, so, all right, so Great not sanity. gonna lie,
3: I may have empathized with this scene quite a lot. Um... Like, this is exactly how you feel, if nothing else, when you live in New York City. <laughs> Four hundred square foot apartments. Like, no, seriously. I I had to get rid of so much crap, because like every year you're just moving from one apartment to the next, and you very quickly are like, Okay, what's actually valuable? I came out to California and then I got a house. It's like a decent sized two bedroom, three-bathroom house, and it has a five hundred Bed, uh, 500 square foot New York City walk up apartments worth of stuff in it. Uh, Hang
6: anyways. on, three,
4: three <laughs> bathrooms? Like, what? Three bathrooms? How many craps can you no, take? No, no, no. no. Oh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow, I got it backwards. Oh, I wish. That would be so cool. No. <laughs> oh, no. Best typo ever. No, um, no. If, uh, Ethan can attest to this. Like My house looks like a cereal, cereal, cereal And I just have two. No, I mean, I, one doesn't? doesn't.
5: Bear. Bear. Okay. <laughs> no, Julia... I, I love sitting in the middle of the floor of
0: your living room because there's nowhere to sit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, rolling up. Julia takes the view that he is not, in fact, being totally reasonable. In fact, Dennis is so worked up by his big idea that the stress has given him a big boil right on his neck. Oh, well, these things happen, right? No need to slow down. At work, Dennis explains that advertising is all wrong. Everything they have been doing is wrong. Warning people about cigarettes they may cause cancer? Nonsense. They should be promising cancer, insisting that cigarettes will cause it. Once again, Dennis is calmly asked whether perhaps he is being a little irrational.
4: And since this is full-on berserk Richard E. Grant, they're being very... They're being very nice to him, because he's quite
3: clearly deranged All at this
1: point. so very, very
3: well, I, and I, I, You
1: know, here's the thing. They're so British and polite that they can't just come out and say it. I, I know,
3: right? But I do have a question. So I was still relatively young when this film came out. Uh, I didn't see it in the theaters or anything. Um, where was the conversation on cigarettes and cancer around mid-19? Does anybody know this was like was yeah
4: It was yeah. The, it was like an open secret that they were that they were for a but there of still there was still a, a good proportion of people saying, "Oh, my grandmother had cigarettes till she was 19 she was was there's no teach the controversy we shouldn't be just assuming they're bad
3: yeah this that's the thing sounds- I wasn't of sure how was. this part of the film was. of the I mean,
4: everyone bit of a little bit of yeah
3: little the big tobacco wars really of well, maybe not so much controversial, but like, where was this one, like, speaking truth to power? Like, where was it calling things out that people weren't openly talking about yet? That was kind of what I was curious about. That that
2: wouldn't happen until maybe about ninety three or ninety four. That's what I thought. But because I wasn't that's when sure. Philip Morris and like R. J. Reynolds and all the really big stuff had all those. There was all the really big congressional hearings, and finally yeah. they were, big, you know, they had some really really big court cases that that came down. At least here in the U. S. That came down. Uh, finally, after all the appeals were ended, and they were basically said, you know, they they had to say that yes, this that they had added nicotine to make people. Um, so yeah,
3: that's kind of what I was wondering because I remember that very clearly.
2: Yeah, uh, but that was like, until then. That wasn't until right. the the, the uh, early to mid nineties.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was like kind of. I remember that kind of around the same time, honestly, as like the first Gulf War. But like, yeah. brother Andy, so what was it like in Britain, like in like nineteen eighty nine when this film came out in terms of like. Was it like, oh my God, they're like hauling out cigarettes or was it like, uh, yeah, no shit?
1: The knowledge that it, cigarettes and cancer were connected, it has been known since the 60s.
4: Well, everyone knew cigarettes were probably lethal, and it was an open secret that they were terrible. And the society was starting to turn away from smoking everywhere being just normal and acceptable. But there were still cigarette advertisements everywhere. There were billboards. There were, it was just before cigarette advertising became banned altogether.
3: Oh, I, no, cigarette advertising didn't get banned until like...
4: Oh yeah, over here, the, you, couldn't, you couldn't advertise cigarettes.
3: So they banned it in England sooner. They banned um, cigarette advertising here in like the mid '90s, like after the congressional hearings. Anyone else remember the Joe Camel bucks? Oh Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. Sorry, that was a very long
2: uh, discussion. No, it's a it's a digression we're talking about because I mean the advertising industry was was complicit in in the tobacco industry's reaching people. I mean this is that topic, you know. So we're we're something. This is
5: very topical when the movie came out. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like cigarettes were in the were in the zeitgeist because you know finally they were making some headway on getting you know getting a major industry to acknowledge it. Um, which the lessons that got learned by the oil industry by the big tobacco wars and the, the stuff that they eventually had to admit they 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 took a page. They they saw how big tobacco lost and they're like we're not going to lose the same way. So big oil basically. It would have been better if if Big Oil had been in the place of Big Tobacco, um, as much as it sucks for human life.
0: Uh, Anyway, you get where I'm going. Yeah, Yeah. Those are the pieces you can put it together. Mr. Bristol thinks it's all just a case of stress. He himself had a tough time in his younger days dealing with an advertising campaign for electric heaters, which ended up with him convinced he was going to explode into flames at any moment. But a short rest later, and he sold more of those electric heaters than ever. And all Dennis needs is a little break away from all. Shirley. Wow, so psychosis is just a part of the job. Who's Dennis,
2: not Shirley?
3: Nice.
0: (laughs) Dennis agrees that he needs some time off, which is why he's resigning, in order to spread his revelation to the world any way he can. Even if it means marching down the street with a sandwich board. That, his boss points out, would just be more advertising, wouldn't it? Suddenly, the boil on his neck gives Dennis a flash of pain. He puts it down to all the poison and lies leaving his body, which might well be foreshadowing. Yes, maybe. Is he detoxing? Mm. Is this a
1: foreshadowing of that?
0: (laughs) By the evening, something is wrong with the boil. It's getting big. A great big boil. A great big nasty boil with hair on it, and nothing seems to work. Dennis tried poking and prodding it, wetting and drying it, Insulting and yelling at it, and finally putting mustard on it. I've heard of putting toothpaste on a zip but never mustard.
3: Yeah, is that, uh, is that an actual old wives' remedy? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ever uh, heard of the, mustard
4: uh, plaster? Mustard compress, mustard plasters. It used to be used.
3: No. But specifically for like boils and other pus-filled type things.
4: Well, mustard in a in a plaster used to be a general antiseptic. So anything mm. that was infected, you might get a mustard plaster on. But God. not the way he's doing it here.
2: No, you don't actually put mustard from a jar, but you can, you can <coughs> think, think, well, think about how wasabi works, right? Which oh. is really just, you know.
5: You know, I've heard it works a lot better if you turn the mustard into
3: a gas. Uh,
2: I'm rolling nope. my eyes nope. at
0: nope. you virtually. Nope. Nope. Okay, <laughs> carry us onwards. Sadly, they only have French Dijon mustard with herbs, and that doesn't do much. Julia wants to sleep, but Dennis realizes that he needs to get to work, making his plans immediately. Whatever Dennis gets up to, it tires him out because when morning comes, he's asleep in an armchair in his home office. Something seems to be a little wrong with Dennis while he's sleeping, literal cartoon birds flutter about talking about advertising, but he doesn't have time for any of that. Dennis doesn't have time for much of anything because when he goes to the bathroom to examine the boil, he sees to his absolute horror, it has grown a little face, a little face that can talk. Hiya, handsome, it says, (laughs) and that's about all poor Dennis can take. So he runs screaming into the garden in just his pajama pants. That was a big surprise. It's going to be a big day for Dennis.
2: I really actually got a... a, I thought it was really funny how they have that great big organ thing, um, like this really intense organ music when when he goes to inspect his boil.
1: The face is awesome, though. I love the visual effects and, like, the puppetry on the face.
2: The boil
4: is voiced by the director
3: as well. Oh, really? Oh, wait, really?
1: Oh, it reminds me a lot of, like, The Labyrinth. Oh, yeah.
3: You had a very different... Viewing of the labyrinth than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Like
1: the faces and the walls and stuff like that.
3: Also, flashback to Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded me more of Total Recall, to be honest.
6: Quaid. <laughs> the machine,
1: Quaid. Man, we gotta get all these guys together, just start like a, a gross puppet playgroup with uh, Clark Nova <laughs> and all these guys. <laughs>
0: Julia summons a doctor immediately, while Dennis is running around screaming about the boil, the boil, and the little face and how it spoke to him. Notably, Dennis is the only one who sees anything except for a large, unsightly boil. By the time the doctor arrives, Dennis has become exactly as bad as before, and a chase around the garden with a big sedative needle ensues. Once Dennis is tucked away for a nice long nap, the doctor discusses next steps. This is one of those few movies where they don't
2: actually give him a shot in the neck. <laughs> I know. I was amazed. They actually like
5: stuck him in the butt. It was it was amazing. I, I stood up. I, I would have stood up and cheered if I wasn't like s- strapped to this fucking chair.
4: <laughs> now, well, we do least... like a certain realism in our films.
5: You a highlight of the film
3: for me.
1: I wonder if what he got was as good as what we just um, got.
3: The because like at this point, this is when we really start to I guess have some mounting evidence that it's like all in his head which i kind of see what they're getting at but it kind of comes across as like the age-old like Ooh, he has a mental illness which is like what the fuck? like can we just not do that can we just like have like the boil is literally just this creature rather than just kind of going for like a kind of tired ableist narrative of just like ooh mental illness bad it's like come
2: on but but that's that's the point is that everybody else rather than like he's that that's the point though is that he's not actually crazy okay right but everybody Mm -hmm. else is treating him like he's crazy true he's this you know he he has become the one sane man in a crazy world that's kind of the point
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean,
3: I will say I think this is definitely one of those early movies that does that does the is he crazy or not thing like which is so popular. I know I've written plenty mm-hmm. of um, sophomore I guess, stories yeah. of that sort. I guess it kind of just like the more ambiguous it is, the better, as opposed to just being like the kind of tired out creepy pasta thing. Whether it's ah like, oh, yes. They are, there is just something wrong with them. It's like, cool, great, awesome, thanks. There's definitely a lot of ambiguity here of uh, is it real, is it not, is um,
4: it, is
2: it a, is it real or is it memorized?
0: The scene when his uh, Boyle smokes a cigarette, <laughs> for me said, uh, <laughs> this is actually happening right
3: now. It should be. All Boyles should smoke.
1: I love when he tells his wife, I'm not smoking it, I'm just holding
6: it. <clears throat> uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I mean, for what it's worth, um, it, it definitely does like have plenty of that, you know, somewhat ableist thing that was very popular back yeah. in the like '70s and '80s of like just pick your random like kind of body horror grotesqueness of like I don't know if anybody reads much Salman Rushdie, but it's like every single one of his books, his main character has some kind of deformity, just period, it's the thing he does, um, and that was like kind of all over the place at the time, um, and it was just it was just a weird thing that was part of the surrealism of the time, I guess. I don't know if there's any better explanation for it than that. Real. And there's ways to tell that narrative for sure, but I guess, like, my first instinct going into this is just like, all right, where are we going with this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no,
3: definitely, definitely.
0: Clearly, there is some kind of psychotic break happening, and removing the boil could only make things worse. After all, they don't know who Dennis believes the boil is. It could be anyone and it might not do him much good if they just kill it. For all we know, he might think they lanced his mother. Until Dennis has seen a mental specialist, the doctor decides the best thing to do is stay calm and note down anything the Boyle says. That is, anything Dennis says that he claims the Boyle says. And if Dennis won't go along with the idea, they may have to put him away. Once he's had a nice little rest, Julia tries to calm Dennis down with a nice cup of tea. That is sounding very ironic right now and some dinner. But when she's not looking, the boil starts talking. It speaks in advertising lines, asking her if she's embarrassed by her false teeth or whether she'd like a trip to France. Dennis tries to cover it up by pretending he's just talking about things that happen to be on his mind, but Julia knows something is going on. Dennis tries to assure her the voice is coming from his boil and this doesn't go down well. Julia thinks it's not the boil. Julia thinks that it hits him talking, but Dennis won't be persuaded. Maybe the Boyle wants to go up Eiffel Tower and see the sights. Hasn't she considered that? Julia is having none of it. It's time for a psychiatrist, like it or not.
5: You know, in her defense, it's just like whenever the Boyle is speaking or something, it does like, he does like turn his head away and stuff so you can't see whether
1: his mouth is moving or not. And that's what she accuses him of. He says, "It's not me. It's the yeah. boil." She says, "Oh yes." And every time the boil's talking, it's when you've turned away, or you yeah. look down, or you're down on the under the table.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, they're giving all the people around him the excuse to believe that he's making it up, because if they saw the boil talking, then obviously they'd say, "Oh, he's actually got a talking boil." Then they'd address things differently. But because none of them have seen it speak or heard it properly they have every reason to believe that he's making it all up.
1: And he keeps it covered.
2: Yeah, they won't bother looking at it and coming to their own conclusions either because it's not in their best interest. It's that whole thing with, uh, you can't get a person to understand you if his paycheck is dependent upon him misunderstanding you. You can lead a fish to drink,
5: but you can't give a man- A horse? Every day.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think you had too much of the tea.
6: Who oh, Fetch this! Poison that! Lace the tea with whatever! It never ends! Hey, I got a message for you. Me? For me? Perhaps it is finally my response to my angry letter to the North which Examiner about the state of our salt mines! Uh, this is an idiot! <laughs> <clears throat> yes, yes, I see! from the Cinemania Society, oh, that's nice. Hmm, it's just the word help, spelled with 17 E's and 47 P's. I was transcribing. you try having a keyboard for a face, pal? Very well, I want you to take a memorandum. Ugh, fine. Dear Cinemania Society, thank you for the suggestion. I would like some help immediately! Brother Andy has gone completely insane! He keeps going on about more biscuits, but I only managed to find some Hobnobs and a ginger nut, and I fear the wrath to come! Please send help immediately! If you realize we might
4: be the only thing standing between our pally down there and
6: unimaginable? horror. Perhaps you're right, Then it's time to take some action! I have a question! I'm prepared for disappointment here. Is it too late to join another cult? Perhaps we could review the latest offerings from today's playwrights on the wireless. Oh boy.
4: (laughs) That episode of the Cinemania Society was written and performed by Andy Slack. Daniel Scribner, Andrea Palladino, Alessa Luz-Martinez, Hope Bravo, Ethan Ireland, and Zachariah Burks. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBat Audio. Incidental music and sound effects courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Visit our social media feeds on Facebook, Twitter, X, at TCS underscore Cinemania, and Reddit at r slash the Cinemania Society. If you really like what you've heard, visit us on Patreon and chuck us a couple bones, because making podcasts ain't free. The Cinemania Society is a product of the Cinemania Society LLC.